While we were singing, I need thee, uh, I looked up at you and your your faces down, reading the song, singing it, believing it, knowing you need the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought, what a powerful, powerful thing to be, what a privilege to be with people who need the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they're singing, they believe that. I love that. That just was awesome to me. And another thing that I thought about during that scripture reading, where the Lord said to Peter, they're going to drag you off where you don't want to be. And church tradition has it that he was crucified upside down. Uh, He felt unworthy to be crucified the same way the Lord was, and he was crucified upside down. And what a Lord we have where it said he told him by what death he would glorify God. What a glorious God we have that a death like that would glorify him. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 6. I've entitled this message, Strong Consolation. Strong Consolation. Look in verse 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now everything he says proceeds from this glorious statement. It is impossible for God to lie. How glorious. What that says of his character. It is impossible for God to lie. Now to our shame, lies roll off our tongues so easily, so naturally, so quickly. But it's impossible for God to lie. Aren't you thankful for that? That says so much of his character. It's impossible for God to lie. Now look up in verse 17. Wherein God, willing. This is something God is willing wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise who are the heirs of the promise every believer without exception everyone who's fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before them all of God's elect everyone for whom Christ died they're the heirs of 
of the promise. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel. He is willing more abundantly to show his unchangeable, immutable counsel or purpose. Don't you want in on that? Don't you want God to speak to you and give you this comfort with regard to the immutability, the changeless nature of his counsel? Now, he did something that he doesn't need to do. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Now, the scripture says, let your yea be yea, and let your nay be nay. Uh, when I say I promise, what I imply by that is I don't always tell the truth. I'm telling the truth this time. That ought not be, but that's the way it is. I, I'm promising you. Now, God doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to say, I promise, because he cannot lie. When he says something, it's so, but for our benefit. So we might know the immutability of his counsel and have this strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. He gives us this oath. Those two immutable things are his promise and his oath that every believer is given to them. It's given to you. God, it's given to me. God giving me personally this promise, confirming it with an oath. What an act of condescension on his part that he would do this. Him saying it's enough. But he gives an oath to everybody. And I love the way uh, it is said for everybody who has fled for refuge. What is a refuge? A place of safety. A hiding place. I love that song we sing. Next person who does a special, I hope you do this one. <laughs> Hail sovereign love that first began. The scheme to rescue fallen man. Hail matchless free eternal grace that gave my soul a hiding place. That's what this refuge is. Against the God who ruled the sky I fought with hand uplifted high. Despised the mention of his grace. Too proud to seek a hiding place. Enwrapped in thick Egyptian night and fond of darkness more than light, madly I ran the sinful race, secure without a hiding place. But thus the eternal counsel ran. Almighty love, arrest that man. I felt the arrows of distress and found I had no hiding place. Indignant justice stood in view. To Sinai's fiery mount I flew. But justice cried with 
frowning face. This mountain is no hiding place. Ere long, a heavenly voice I heard, and mercy's angel form appeared, and led me on with gentle pace to Jesus Christ, my hiding place. On him, eternal vengeance fell that must have sunk a world to hell. He bore it for a chosen race <coughs> and thus became their hiding place. Should storms of sevenfold thunder roll and shake the earth from pole to pole, no flaming bolt will daunt my face, for Jesus is my hiding place. A few more rolling sons at most shall land me safe on Canaan's coast. There I shall sing of sovereign grace to Jesus Christ, my hiding place. Now that's what it is to flee for refuge, to lay hold upon the hope set before you. Now notice wherein God, verse 17, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, his promise and then his oath, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we might have this strong consolation. Now, every believer in this room, every believer out of this room, ought to have this strong consolation. And if we don't, it's because we're looking in the wrong place. It's that simple. Looking to Christ, his promise, his oath, we ought to have strong consolation given by God himself. And it's my prayer that he will cause every believer to have this strong comfort, the comfort of the gospel, this strong consolation. Now, comfort's a feeling, isn't it? It's a feeling. Like joy, like peace, what is important is the ground of that feeling. I love the feeling, but I want to make sure I have the proper ground to have that feeling of strong comfort and consolation. I want, to, I want this, don't you? Well, it's his will for every believer to see this. That means it's his will for you to see this. If you've fled for refuge, to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now look back up in verse 11 of this same chapter. Verse 11, the writer says, We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself. I love that. Saying, surely, blessing, I will bless thee. And multiplying, I will multiply. Now he gives us Abraham to illustrate uh, what this looks like. 
When he made promise to Abraham, blessing I will bless thee, multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now let's hold on for just a second. After he patiently endured. He didn't seem very patient when he went into Hagar, did he? That wasn't waiting on the Lord. He didn't seem very patient when he let his wife on two different occasions uh, be sold into a harem. What this is, and I love the way particularly Hebrews is, this is the New Testament account of of Abraham's actions. Kind of like Sarah, what'd she do when she heard what God was going to do for her? Scripture says she laughed. She laughed in unbelief. Can this happen? And that's when God said, why did she laugh? And Sarah actually said, right before the presence of God, I didn't laugh. (laughs) You can't fool the Lord. What about Moses? He murdered a man, hid his body in the sand, and out of fear, left Egypt. And the scripture says, by faith, Moses, there was no fear. He wasn't afraid of the wrath of the king. I love you, particularly read Hebrews chapter 11. Two different stories. The New Testament account and the Old Testament account. Well, this is the New Testament account of Abraham. Uh, After he had patiently endured, and that's what we want to do, isn't it? Patience. Patience. God's on the throne. Patiently endure all the way to the end. He received the promise. Now, when God made promise to Abraham, every man to ever live has made promises that they did not keep. Have you ever made a promise that you did not keep? Uh, he may have, you may have intended to keep them. I may have intended to keep them. Um, I might have been lying at the very outset when I made that promise, trying to get my way. Or it may be that unforeseen circumstances prevented me from keeping my promise, but that's never true of God. Never. Galatians 3.18 says, For the inheritance of the law, it's no more promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. The reason Abraham was given this glorious inheritance is not because of anything he did, but simply because of the promise of God. All the promises of of him are yea and amen to the glory of God. All of God's salvation is in his promise. Now, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. There ain't anybody greater for him to swear to. He swore by himself, saying, Blessing, surely, blessing, I will bless thee. Because I'm blessing you now, I will bless you in the future. Now, I'm either under God's blessing or I'm under God's curse. There's no in-between. I have people say to me all the time, I'm blessed. And I hope they are. I hope they are, but I know who he is, who God has blessed. 
And listen to this scripture from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. Now, do you hear that? He hath blessed us. If I'm a child of God, I have every blessing right now that God has to give. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whatever the blessing is, every believer has it. And so after that, verse 15, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after that he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for them, an earth for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel. Immutability means it cannot change. It can't change. It can't be altered. If he's made this blessing, given you this blessing, it's eternal. It can't be reversed. It can't be altered. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath. Remember, he didn't have to give this oath, but he did. He did. Why? Verse 18, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, a strong comfort. Now hold your finger there and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. This is God's word to Isaiah in verse 1. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Now every gospel message ought to be comforting. Every one of them. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Now let's go on reading. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now here's the comfort of the gospel. You know that war you got going on in your heart and in your breast? It's accomplished. It's finished. Victor's already won. Your iniquity is pardoned. You stand before God pardoned. You stand before God better than that without guilt. Uh, this is seen in that third statement. She has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Not only are you forgiven, you're justified. Not only are you not condemned, you're glorified. Not only are you not going to hell, 
You're going to spend eternity beholding his face in unimaginable bliss. <laughs> Not only could things, uh, what is it we say? Well, at least things could have been worse. No, they can't be better. They can't be better. Not only do you not have God's disfavor, you have God's favor. He loves you with the same love he has for his son. Thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, have you ever, I know you have. It happens to me all the time. I'll be dreaming something. It's not a good dream. And it's so relief. It's such a relief when you wake up and find out it didn't happen. Oh, I'm so happy it didn't happen. You know, the same thing could be said of all my sin. I'm going to wake up in heaven and it never happened. That's how clear, that's how powerful his justification is. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and tell her her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. She hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now that is strong comfort for those who are fled for refuge. Verse 18. Back to our text in Hebrews 6. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Now, what I thought of right off the bat, the cities of refuge. There are six cities appointed in the Old Testament. And if you had killed somebody, maybe by accident, um, but you killed somebody and that, that person's family had the right to put you to death, the avenger of blood. Now, there were six cities appointed in Israel that you could run to. And if you could get into that city before the avenger of blood caught you, you were safe. You were protected completely. Oh, to fly for refuge, to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whether the, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we have this hope. Which hope we have? I am my beloved's, and he is mine. He is my hope. Which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Now, let's dwell on that just for a moment. As an anchor for the soul. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. He said therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Now that word means drift away. Now if you're on a boat. And you're drifting. You know what's inevitable? You will run into something at some point And wreck. It might take 100 years, but at some point you're going to run into something if you're drifting. What I have to have is an anchor. It's an anchor that will keep me from drifting. Now, what good is an anchor 
that's in your boat that you can see. It won't do you any good at all, will it? That anchor has to be thrown overboard. You can't see it, but while the water is, is crashing, that anchor holds you in place. You don't hold yourself in place. You drift away, but that anchor holds you in place. Back to our text in Hebrews 6. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that within the veil. Now this anchor is sure. It's steadfast. It can't be moved. And it enters within the veil. Now you know that what that's a reference to is the Holy of Holies. The place of God's presence. That anchor goes within the veil. In the place the high priest went once every year on the Day of Atonement. It's the place that symbolizes nearness to God. It's the nearest place to God. Near, so near to God. Near, I cannot be. In the person of his dear son, I'm as near to God as he. Dear, so dear to God. Dearer, I cannot be. For in the person of his dear son, I'm as dear to God as he. My anchor is within the veil. I love when we sing, when darkness veils his lovely face, I rest in his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now, while you're here in Hebrews, look at Hebrews chapter 9 for a moment. There's a true holy place. That tabernacle on earth represented this holy place that the Lord came into. Look in verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves... But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Look in verse 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 20 of Hebrews chapter 6. Now there's a lot of titles. Every title of Christ, every name of Christ is precious. But there's nothing more precious than this. Whether the forerunner. Christ is called the forerunner. Whether the forerunner is, don't miss this, for us entered. That's every single believer. He's for us entered. The forerunner. Colossians 1.17 says he's before all things. Whatever there is, he was before it. He was before creation. 
Whatever it is, he's the cause, and you can't take that too far. <clears throat> this is one of the most comforting things. My forerunner is already in the veil, and I'm hooked to him, and I can't be moved. He's sure, he's steadfast, he's within the veil, and he's got me by an almighty chain. I may be drifting around on the waves, but I can't be moved because he is there. Now, in every sense, he's our forerunner. First of all, he's our forerunner in election. You know why God chose you? Because Christ. He came before. And that's why Christ be my first elect, he said, then chose us in him, our living head. He is the forerunner of our justification. He worked out a complete righteousness, a perfect righteousness. He did, he did this ahead of time, before I was even born. He worked out my perfect righteousness that makes me stand before God absolutely without guilt. He's the forerunner. He was the forerunner of my redemption. He came to redeem me. He's our forerunner in providence. Whatever's happening, he says, it's I. Be of good cheer. He's our forerunner in every providence. He's our forerunner in death. Every one of us has a fear of death. Every one of us do. There's a fear. Someone says, I'm not afraid of death. Well, I, I'm... I look forward to dying, but for me to say I'm not afraid of death because I don't know what it is. I don't know the experience of it. You know, Christ has gone to death before me. And he's come out and he said, it's all fine. I'm in control. And listen to this. He's my forerunner in judgment. When my name is called, he's already gone before me and taken full responsibility for me. He said to the thief, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He went first, and he goes before every believer in judgment. Isn't that a precious name? The forerunner. The forerunner. Now, every believer ought to have strong consolation from that. God-given consolation. It's not something you just work up. It's something he gives you because you believe the immutability of his counsel, his purpose, that he confirmed it with an oath. He promised salvation for everybody that Jesus Christ died for. He confirmed it with an oath. He didn't need to do that because it's impossible for him to lie, but he did it, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now may... The Lord 
be pleased when we lay our head on our pillow tonight to think of the strong consolation that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for the strong consolation you've given to us. How we thank you for our anchor that's in your very presence in the veil that makes our salvation both sure and steadfast. How we thank you that you cannot lie. How we thank you for the two immutable things, your promise and your oath that you keep it. Lord, bless this word for Christ's sake, for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray, amen.